Welcome back to another installment of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm The Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Mamer, and a returning guest, uh, you guessed it, of course, Dr. Stuart Robbins. Did I pronounce, Hello. The, did I pronounce the doctor right? Uh, you can pronounce it any way you want, Carl. Doctor. But I, I, I would assume that people guessed it because they probably read the description or the title of this episode. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, people are far more clever than I give them credit for. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Well, well, everyone except some of the people that we'll be talking about in this episode. <laughs> That's true. All right. So, uh, I guess, do you do you even need an introduction these days? You are uh, the astronomer royale uh, of a conspiracy skeptic. A title that I hold near and dear to my resume. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you're gonna. One day we're gonna try and get you some funds, collect up some funds, like a grant or something. You, you, you scientists people live on grants, don't you? Yes, or we, uh, we survive off of grants. Perhaps might be a better way to put it. We don't necessarily live off of them. All right, okay. And uh, you've, um, uh, you have to like write grant proposals and all kinds of crazy things like that, right? Yes, yes, we do. Fifteen pages for NASA, and it's a. Uh, it's a month of hell. Wow. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> you know, actually, on my on my wall, I have a uh, I have a uh, uh, paper uh, uh, signed by uh, Nobel two time Nobel Prize uh, winner Linus Pauling to Carl Linus Pauling, and uh, that was from a uh, my dad went to San Francisco to sort of some grant committee to. Linus Pauling. I, this is in his crazy face. You know, I mm-hmm. don't know. He wanted something or another for something or another, and and uh, so they vitamin C research. Yeah, yeah. The paper something uh, something about scorpic acid uh, and cancer uh, review. So, uh, it, the title alone that all probably sounds you know Linus Pauling scorpic acid and cancer review. Yep, probably crazy. But um, yeah, everybody was incredibly impressed by Linus Pauling. I mean, who would it be? Two-time Nobel yeah. Prize winner. But uh, yeah, they turned him down. They said, you know, no, uh, you just uh, research just isn't there. It's, it's not worth giving money to. So even if you are like you know one of the gods of science, they people will still turn you down. Oh yes. Got to have yes, your ducks in the row. Yes. Uh, well, for the big things, you know, for the little things like um, I once reviewed a grant by a, a very established researcher, very well known in the field, world class, and uh, you, you have the main part of the proposal, and then there's a part at the end where it's facilities and equipment, like, you know, this is the stuff that we have, this will be the stuff that we need, and it was clearly that he copied and pasted from a previous grant that had been copied and pasted from a previous grant, because it was talking about how they have this massive cluster that has something like 150 megabytes of storage, and <laughs> like a, a Pentium 2 chip, and it's like, wow, you you haven't updated this in a decade, have you? Oh, yeah. I think we still funded him, but... Oh, yeah, but you pointed out the... Uh, yeah, there, there was a note to the PI at the end. Uh, you might want to update your facilities and equipment. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. As a documentation person, you know, we live on the copy-paste at times. And, mm. Yeah, it's like the uh, the um, intelligent design people, they see... Yeah. Was it the uh, creationism, and they replaced it with design proponent or something and got some crazy find replace error or something like that yeah that's that's common but um anyway what, was, what a pandas and people or something yeah like 
Yeah, this is, yeah. And, if people uh, have no idea what we're talking about, go to the ncsc.org, I think. Probably yeah, has it. Yeah. It's kind of, it was a creationism textbook. And then after the Supreme Court sort of said, no, no, creation science is just religion, they, they kind of then re-edited it. No, it's intelligent design textbook. They're just by doing a find-replace and... Mm-hmm quick find and place job anyway but um, now if I recall during the last episode you were on I, I asked you um, you know the, the whole 2012 thing is over with what Stuart what is going to kill us all now and you said I don't know but someone's going to pipe up at something pretty soon eventually yep uh, dollars and, and donuts and uh, <laughs> so uh, and so you're all well, American dollars and donuts <laughs> Not those crazy yeah, loonies. Canadian dollar has been sinking a bit in the uh, in the currency markets, but um, making eBay a little less fun. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so man, I want one of those Lehman Brothers uh, sort of uh, satchels. I don't know. <laughs> it's my, it's okay. My, I don't know why I want it, but I, I just I just want it. I want it. But uh, anyway, so um, um, I work near the Fidan Financial District now. So uh, I think it'd just be irony or something, but uh, so yeah. So what uh, what 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 uh, what have they determined is going to kill us all now? Well, as you said, apparently someone has found something, and it is Pastor Mark Biltz has decided that just like in the ages of antiquity, he is going to run and hide when there is a lunar eclipse. <laughs> and. Then, a lunar and eclipse it, plus a comet, or just is just a no, lunar? no, just just a, a couple lunar eclipses in a row, and you know I, I I exaggerate a little bit, but that's effectively what he's been saying is that there's this blood moon thing, and the blood moons are apparently these big bad bloody moons. Uh, we're not, you know, I'm not British, so I'm not saying that as a, a form of an expletive, but there are these blood moons that are going to happen four times in a row, and it's going to lead to death and destruction because you know, the the last time this happened was during the the Six Day War with Israel, and the time before that, well, it was it was just over a year after Israel was founded, and and it has to do with like multiples of seven and the Shemitah year, which is something new that I learned about. And and a couple Shemitah years ago was 1994, which was just just a little bit before, just no, actually during when Comet Shoemaker Levy 9 crashed into Jupiter. And seven years later, during the next Shemitah year, the Dow dropped 7.1% on Rosh Hashanah. And the next time there was a Shemitah year, the Dow dropped about 6.9% on Rosh Hashanah again. And so so the next Shemitah year, which is next year, 2015, at the end of the next blood moons, it could fall again. And, and something bad with Israel and Christopher Columbus was Jewish, except he was Roman <laughs> Catholic. And, <laughs> Stop me when I get when I start to sound stupid. Here. <laughs> no, yeah, I was going to say shmita. That just sounds like something you put on like bagels and salmon or something. Is that yeah, yeah, your yeah. schmear or something. Yeah, yeah, but uh, or yeah, but to first principles. What, 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 what is a blood moon? Yeah, so a blood moon is a scary sounding name for a lunar eclipse because uh, so there are. There are two types of eclipses. There's the lunar and the solar. The solar is when the, the sun appears to be blotted out by the moon. The lunar eclipse is when the moon appears to be sort of uh, darker 
because Earth's shadow is falling on it, basically. And then there are two subtypes of lunar eclipses. So, but right, the, the solar eclipse, that's when we really got to be frightened by it, because that's the, the goat is eating the actual sun, right? Sure. Okay, all right. So just okay. want to clear that up. Okay, so solar eclipses, totally dangerous. Uh, yeah, but don't eclipse. look. They're, they're most dangerous because if you you, you want to look at it because you think that oh the sun is dark. Uh, no, don't look at it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> okay. So there's two subtypes of lunar eclipses. Two subtypes of lunar eclipses. So on Earth, when we look at a solar eclipse, you can see two types of solar eclipses. You can see either the sun fully blotted out, fully covered by the moon, or the sun partially covered by the moon and so that's a total or a partial solar eclipse the same thing can happen from the moon looking back towards the sun so if you're on the moon and you have an eclipse of earth passing in front of the sun if the sun is only partially covered up you're going to see a partial solar eclipse from the moon if the sun is totally covered up you're going to see a total solar eclipse from the moon on Earth, when we look at the moon when that's happening, during a partial solar eclipse from the moon, so it looks like a lunar eclipse from Earth, the moon only darkens a little bit because it's still getting some direct sunlight. And it's sometimes it, you, you don't even necessarily know that it's going on from Earth because unless you have really good eyes or a camera where you're actually counting photons and seeing that something is darker or brighter, you really can't tell that the moon is in partial shadow. But when Earth fully covers up the moon, or not the moon, when Earth fully covers up the sun, as seen from the moon, we get what we see on Earth as a total lunar eclipse. And in that case, there is no sunlight that can directly get to the moon because the Earth is blocking it up. The only way that sunlight can actually get to the moon is because Earth has an atmosphere and it can act like a lens and the light from the sun passes through Earth's atmosphere, bends around the planet, and a little bit can get to the moon. And because Earth's atmosphere does something called Rayleigh scattering, this is why the sky is blue, it basically scatters the, uh, what is it, the shorter wavelengths of light, so only the longer ones, which are the redder ones, can get through. Well, it's only the reddest of light that can get through all of Earth's atmosphere to get to the moon. And so that's why the moon turns very dark, because there's no direct sun, and it looks a little bit red, or sometimes very red, because the only light getting to it is passing through Earth's atmosphere, and the only light that can still get to it once it's gone through Earth's atmosphere is the really red stuff. And so that's why we call it, or people who want a scaremonger call it a blood moon, when most of us normally just call it a total lunar eclipse. What, what's what's a, is that the same thing as a hunter's moon or? Uh, I don't think so. I think the hunter's moon is when the moon is really high in the sky, maybe. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean there there are other names for moons um, based on you know there's the harvest moon which is like the last big bright full moon before the the first freeze or something and there are blue moons which when there is when there is a second full moon within a calendar month. Right. So there are other names for different kinds of moons. And you know, it's actually kind of interesting if you're into that to research some of that uh, etymology. But in terms of a blood moon, it is just a total lunar eclipse. All right. And, um, it, it, and maybe about a year ago, there was the, the, the media was going uh, crazy for the super moon. That was another kind of bit of a moon 
the super moon. What was, what was the super moon again? So the moon is on an elliptical path around Earth. Which means so, it's not perfectly round. Which means it's not a perfect circle, right? That's the definition of an ellipse. Uh, well, I guess no, actually, that's not true. Uh, an ellipse can be a circle. A circle is a special kind of ellipse. Ah, okay. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So it is on a non-circular elliptical path around the Earth. So uh, at one point in its orbit, so at one point during the lunar month, it's going to be at its farthest point to Earth. And at one point in its orbit, roughly half its orbit later, it's going to be at the closest that it gets to Earth. And so it's going to look either smaller or bigger. Now, because its orbit is not perfectly circular and because... There are various effects like Earth's own motion around the sun and perturbations caused by uh, planets and various other things that happen. These aren't exactly half orbits apart. And the new and full moon aren't exactly half orbits apart. And so what happens is that when it's at its closest point in its orbit varies relative to phases. And so as you sort of go along from lunar cycle to lunar cycle, you get this point in time where the closest approach of the moon happens to line up with when the moon is full. And at that point, we call it a supermoon because it's at, it's the fullest moon okay. that you can get, and it's closest to Earth. So visually, it's actually about 15% brighter, not brighter, 15% bigger, which means it'll look brighter. And um, the supermoon happens eh, roughly, usually about three months in a row before that uh, closest approach versus full moon phase stops lining up perfectly. So it also just so happens that next September, as in September 2015, during the last of these four blood moons in a row, okay. is also a supermoon. Ah, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. If I think I just stay briefly on the super, we want to get back to the the uh, the blood moons because this is this is the this is the real the the, the funky the real part. deal. Yeah, but I was always wondering, like, have astronomers always called it a supermoon, or is it just is that name just something the media like you know like the HuffPo made up or something like that? <laughs> um, I'm actually not sure. Um, I would guess that it's uh, something that the the it was sensationalized in the uh, in the popular media and wasn't really something that astronomers came up with. Um, in fact, uh, as I was sort of mumbling my way along the last 30 seconds, I quickly Googled it. And according to Wikipedia, the name the supermoon was coined by an astrologer, not to be confused with an astronomer, right, yes. uh, Richard Knoll, N-O-L-L-E, in 1979. And he arbitrarily defined it as a new or full moon, which occurs when the moon is at or near or within 90% of its closest approach to Earth in a given orbit. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So getting back, back, back to the blood moon. Okay. So why, why, why should we be t t terrified? What's his name? Blitz? This pastor Blitz uh, so or something? George Norrie was pronouncing it Blitz, but uh, from what I can tell, it's Bilt. B-I-T. Uh, B-I-L-T-Z, oh. Pastor Mark Biltz. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not sure what happened there, right. but... Right. So, so it, when there when there's been these four four blood moons in a row, then uh, bad things have happened, and therefore they're going to. We got a prediction, right? Bad things are going to happen again. 
Yeah, well, it it's not exactly four blood moons in a row. It's four blood moons in a row that also happen to fall on Jewish holidays. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So the last time that we actually got four blood moons in a row, and by in a row, I actually mean every time that you have a lunar eclipse, it's a total lunar eclipse as opposed to a total and then a partial and then a partial and a total. Okay, okay. So it has to be four total lunar eclipses without a partial between them. Right, yes. So the last time this actually happened was May 4th, 1985 to October 17th, 1986. And Biltz and others who are propagating this don't acknowledge those because they didn't happen to happen on Jewish holidays. Hmm. Okay. So the time before that was April 24th of 1967 to October 6th of 1968. And that happened during, or during that time, during that period, was the Six-Day War of Israel with its neighbors in June of 1967. Right, okay. So, yeah. If I recall, the Six-Day War, so-called because it was a very short war, like the Israelis were like, yeah, those Egyptians are going to pull a fast one, and they just slaughtered all of their air force on the ground or something, didn't they? And then the Egyptians were like, we're out. So Yeah, I think it was something like that. Israel sort of just woke up, rolled over one day, and crushed its enemies. Yeah. So, so just like the first time it's ever happened in history. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, uh, well, your, your nation, you know, scoring a huge military, and I think they, they like seized the Sinai. Like Israel, like increased its territory by like 10x or something so so that, yeah it, a lot i think yeah so if like canada woke up tomorrow and you know went on like a, a six-day war and like you know our troops went all the way down to florida we wouldn't really call that the worst possible thing ever right yeah i mean as far as i can tell the six-day war was fairly good for israel except you know it touched off the last 50 years of you know fighting but sure okay all right yeah you know, i figured probably that would still be going on because israel and its neighbors don't really get along very well but this is not supposed to be a political podcast and my own personal views about israel are not as pc as they probably should be oh, okay so, <laughs> we'll get email no we I, yeah 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 so uh before actually i got an email from a rabbi um he, he said, you know, You're in what's, trouble. I know. He's like, what's a good Jewish boy like you, you know, making this mistake about all these Jewish holidays? We can get to that later on. Okay. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> so, 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 six, so the Six Day War yeah. happened during this last thing. Okay. Oh, and by the way, I should introduce more terminology. Uh, this is called a tetrad when you get four blood moons in a row. Blood. Yeah, tetrad, because tet means four. Okay. All right. And so, then, and then, bef- so that, that, so. And then the the one before that, what the the tetrad before that, what what happened? That all, and they all have to fall on Jewish holidays. Yeah, so the tetrad before that that lined up with Jewish holidays was April thirteenth of nineteen forty nine to September twenty sixth of nineteen fifty, and um, yeah, nothing really happened. So what Pastor Mark Biltz decides to say is that that those tetrads on the Jewish holidays were actually signifying that Israel was a country a year mm. before that. Oh, okay. Israel was founded on my birthday, uh, you know, May 14th of 1948. Yeah, not the same year. I, I wasn't founded the same... Or I, <laughs> I wasn't born the same day Israel... Or the same year Israel was founded, but the same day. 
So, <laughs> you know, at, at work one time, I for a pin number, I I told my coworkers we're using 1949, and they're like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Because absolutely nothing happened in 1949." <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So it's like good way to remember it. What was that? What was that one year in the 20th century? Nothing happened. 1949. Okay. So, right. So Israel became. Now I know your pin. Yeah. No. Well, I don't use. It's not for my money machine card. So. Okay. But, um. Yeah. So so this is, uh, you know, I have issues with this form of retrodiction. You know, if, if this kind of stuff maybe happened exactly on the days, like maybe the first day or the last day of these lunar eclipse tetrad things, you know, okay, maybe that's something, but you have to look at causation uh, versus uh, correlation kind of things or cause and effect because, you know, historically, as I started out this episode, uh, lunar eclipses have been looked on as harbingers of doom and gloom and various other bad things right. for the last several millennia. So, you know, you have to wonder, okay, if bad stuff happened on exactly those days, maybe it's because people saw that it was a lunar eclipse and so did that as opposed to the lunar eclipse caused it or foretold it or something. But he, in order to get his correlation, he has to go almost a full year before the actual event, okay. which is just, it's kind of like, what? Okay. And so it's its also kind of like, well, it's Israel in the Middle East, a Jewish country, although it was founded as a secular country, and it's supposed to be a secular country, but you know, we all know that's not the case. Uh, so it, you know, it's this Jewish country in the middle of a bunch of Islamic countries. I think that you can pretty much point to any year as something bad happened with Israel hmm. <laughs> or or the world. And it's just kind of like, well, you know, you're you're really cherry picking and retrodicting and you're saying that, OK, well, with this current set of four blood moons, that something bad is going to happen again. You know, maybe the Dow is going to crash. Hey, I got news for you. The Dow crashes every year. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's a matter of how much or you know again something bad is going to happen with israel well you can point to almost anything in the last two decades at any year and find something bad that has happened with israel or a major event happened with israel and yeah yeah so but but so you got me all worked up here so israel so becoming it became a nation before the the blood moon tetrad and during the blood moon tetrad you know, it kind of, yeah, okay, so they, well, we're a real nation now because, you know, they've printed up currency and they've laid their own sewers and stuff like that. So that's 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 the the big thing? Yeah. Again, not so bad, not so bad. Yeah, I mean, they were founded as a country nine months, or not nine, 11 months before the first uh, lunar eclipse of this particular tetrad and it's kind of like well that that's your big event well again that sounds like kind of a good thing for israel okay all right and then and so there's a couple more things like a couple more tetrads what, before that what happened before that one of these better be the holocaust uh no oh. <laughs> uh, i'm sorry but yeah no um <laughs> So let's see the tetrad before that. As I, I quickly bring it up, um, 
Well, looking through the, the 20, 20th century, uh, it looks like the, the one before that was June 15th of 1927 to November 27th of 1928. Not a good year so, for Benny Goodman. I'll take your word on that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like that was between world wars. It had nothing to do with Israel, had nothing, you know, as far as I, if, if I'm you know, vaguely recalling my world history, Hitler hadn't even come to any real sort of power at that mm-hmm. point. So, you know, the Jews were kind of, you know, status quo for them. And, and before that, it was June 4th of 1909 to November 17th of 1910. But, you know, keep in mind that at least with these two sets of tetrads, these weren't on the Jewish feast days. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But did they fall so, on Jewish holidays? Uh, there's always a Jewish holiday. Yeah, that was my other, that was my other question. It's like, there, are, are there a lot of Jewish holidays? Or, and, and does it have, does the full, do Jewish holidays actually full, fall on full moons? And, or if not, you know, do, does the guy have a grace period? Well, it was like, you know, two weeks before that full moon or two weeks after that full moon. So it kind of fell in there. Yeah, so the thing is, is that, uh, is that that is the actual other part okay. of this whole set of this is not a big thing instances. <laughs> so the thing is, is that Jewish holidays are based on, oddly enough, the Jewish calendar. <laughs> and the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar, which means that Jewish months are based on the full moon and the new well actually the the new moon starts the new month mm-hmm. and so jewish holidays are typically on the first day or the 15th day of the jewish month which means that by definition most jewish holidays are going to be on a full moon or a new moon and uh-huh. by definition Lunar eclipses can only happen on full moons, and solar eclipses can only happen on new moons. <laughs> so, so you've already, you know, you're like, okay, well, there are 365.24 days in a solar calendar year. That's a lot. And so you have maybe, say, half a dozen or a dozen major Jewish holidays. And so... What are the odds that those holidays are also going to fall on a full moon, which only happens once every 28, 29, 27, something like that-ish days? What are the odds? And you're like, well, those must be really, really astronomical. Well, astronomical, yes, but by definition, because they are defined by astronomy. So the the actual likelihood of these holidays falling on a new or full moon is actually very high because that is how they are defined. Right, okay. Jews, the ancient Jews, just never heard of like third Monday in the month or something like that for a holiday. Um, I think that was invented with Thanksgiving or something. Mm. <laughs> I I don't know how um, these holidays were actually originally defined. Um, you know, I, I have I've pulled one up, uh, calendar up from Hebcal h e b c a l dot com. Hebcal. Yeah, <laughs> Jewish holidays in 2013-2014, and, okay. and during the, the year of 5774, 
And, you know, it's things like the Jewish New Year, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. I mean, I don't even know what a tabernacle is. Uh, yeah, the, the celebrating of the Torah. Of course, we have Passover. That's a big one. Uh, actually, that starts, um, well, we're recording this on Sunday. That starts tomorrow, um, hopefully when this is going up, because that's the big thing, is that Passover is the start of this, tetra, of this particular tetrad. Okay. So... You know, we should probably go into that, I guess, for 30 seconds or so, is that this particular tetrad of full moons, which I guess, of lunar eclipses, which is redundant, I think, uh, is, if I can pull it up real quick, so we have April 15th of 2014, which is Passover, October 8th of 2014, which is Sukkot, or some I've heard it pronounced Sukkot, uh, I'm sure you have some listener who knows Hebrew who can correct me. Uh, <laughs> then we have April 4th of 2015, which also happens to be Passover, and then September 28th of April... Uh, bleh, September 28th of 2015, which again is Sukkot. So we have these four relatively major Jewish holidays, which are defined to happen on a full moon. They are six months apart, and that's the other part of this that we haven't gotten to yet, is that we have something called eclipse seasons. And because of the way these orbits line up, and you can only get a full moon... Well, not... Bleh. Erase that. Okay. <laughs> you, you can only get a lunar eclipse when you have a full moon and the moon happens to be... Uh, directly in line with the sun and the earth. And because the moon's orbit is slightly inclined relative to earth's path around the sun by about 5.14 degrees, there are only two kind of very small points in the moon's orbit where it crosses that line where you could actually get an eclipse. And so again, just like with the way these other things line up, when you get that happening, it happens for the next few cycles, and then it goes out of alignment. Mm -hmm. So you get what we call an eclipse season, where if you have a lunar eclipse on the schedule, on the calendar, look two weeks before or two weeks after that, and it's very, very, very likely you're going to get a solar eclipse. And look two weeks before or after that, and it's very likely that you're going to get another lunar eclipse. And so we have that kind of thing happening where... Um, and I should have pulled this up ahead of time, so of course I have to now do it live while I'm talking to you uh, and pull up the solar eclipses. So, okay, have it up. So, as I said, we have a lunar eclipse on April 15th of 2014, and two weeks later, we have a solar eclipse on April 29th of 2014. So that's this sort of, as I said, an eclipse season. Hmm. And, again, because of the way these orbits work, when it goes out of alignment, usually it's about six months later when you get another eclipse season. So that's why we fast-forward six months, and we get the lunar eclipse on October 8th of 2014. You go two weeks later, and you get a partial solar eclipse on October 23rd. So these Jewish holidays... Because there are several of them, because they are mostly defined as the start or the middle of the month, you have to space them out. And you're going to get 
you know, it, it's fairly likely that you're going to get another Jewish holiday six months later, which then, of course, because of the way these eclipse seasons work, the orbits work out, you're going to get an eclipse. Okay. So, you know, people are like, well, what's what are the odds of this happening? It's like, well, when you actually know how orbits work, the odds are higher than you'd think. Okay. Did that make actual sense, or do I need to repeat it in a different way? No, no, it always makes sense. All right. Okay. okay. And I guess uh, yeah, for your listening audience, just let me pull it up real quick. Um, so the solar eclipse that happens in, I guess, a few weeks is really only going to be visible from Antarctica and eastern Australia. Uh, Tasmania actually looks like it's going to get a nice view of it. Uh, as, we, as, we, as we say, the new Babylon. Uh, Tasmania. Sure. They have a lot of wood down there. <laughs> no, when I was there, I was... Uh, oh, yeah, you, had, were, you were there, weren't you? Yeah, I was there for, for a month. I was in Tasmania for about 10 days, and if anyone from the Launceston skeptics are listening, hi, guys. Uh, <laughs> that didn't sound creepy at all. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, I was there, and they have um, this stuff called Hewan Pine, and I'm sure I've mispronounced it. It's H-U-O-N. It is the, uh, the Hewan Pine is the second oldest tree in the world. Um, it, it grows incredibly slowly. Um, you're only allowed to collect felled stuff. Uh, but it's, it's this really cool wood that has this natural oil that is antibacterial and water-repellent and... Uh, it was really big for shipbuilding in the 1800s, you know, when all of Australia was run by convicts and stuff. Hmm. And you know, they would come for the hewn pine. And, uh, like, you can find specimens that are thousands of years old that died. You know, they fell down thousands of years ago, but they are still perfectly fine. They're not rotted at all because of this oil. Uh, uh, it's, okay. a, it's a really nice scent, and you can go to these, mar- you know, outdoor markets and and you know get cutting boards and stuff and i did that we were at the i think sella salamanca market and uh no i posted to facebook you know went around feeling a lot of wood at the market today and after several hand washes my hands still smell like it <laughs> yeah I rubbed a lot of wood that day <laughs> See, you can't i don't think you, you can't uh, you can't really sterilize wood you know that's one of the big problems with you know, like, you know, tongue depressors, right? They doctors Ugh. throw them out after they're used. So you just can't, they can't say. Well, they like, should use hue and pine. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah, Australia is going to, or yeah, Australia is going to get a good view of that total or annular solar eclipse, which is when the moon is slightly smaller than the sun. Uh, the next uh, solar eclipse this year, October twenty third, twenty fourteen, that's going to be visible from. Um, North America, it looks like. Uh, so Mexico, uh, through Western United States, through Western Canada, up to the, you know, near the North Pole, and then across to the very, very Eastern part of, uh, Russia. Uh, as for the lunar eclipses, though, your listening audience, if they listen to this right when this podcast comes out, assuming you get it out in the next 24 hours, um, most of the world gets to see lunar eclipses because they last for a long time. Uh, They last usually for a couple hours, at least in some form. And pretty much if you can see the moon from your location, you can see the lunar eclipse. You don't have to be in any special position relative to it. Hmm. Um, So for this particular lunar eclipse coming up, pretty much all of the Americas get to see it in some sort. Uh, New Zealand gets to see it. 
Eastern Australia, you can catch it when the moon rises. Uh, and for the next one that's in October, um, basically the same thing. But uh, the Eastern Americas miss out on it a little bit. Wow. You know, all of my life, I don't know how many total solar eclipses I've lived through, you know, that have gone on where I am living. Maybe I, maybe two. I'm 47 years old, so in that time, might it might have been maybe two. You could probably look this up, you know. But um, I think every time there's ever been a solar eclipse where I've lived, you know, they tell you, get, you know, you know, get the little box with the pinhole and that, that, that. don't stare at the sun. It's always been a cloudy, overcast day. Well, isn't that what it's like in Canada? Yeah. I mean, the one time I've... In our souls. Yeah, I mean, the one time I was in Canada, which, of course, is representative of all of Canada all of the time, (laughs) it was cloudy and rainy and miserable. So we left a day early. Where were you in Canada? Uh, The Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Hmm, I didn't get that memo. When was this? Uh, 1998, I think. You were I was a child. <laughs> I was by the time I was in high school. Yeah, okay. yeah, but no, it was uh it was very very uh depressing so we left. Oh, sorry. And that's my one that's my one Canadian experience. Oh, okay. Yeah, my friend she Canadian, you suck. She lives sorry. in Buffalo and, and uh so she would just like ride her bike across the uh the bridge into uh into Niagara Falls, Canada just because it's like they talk funny here and have weird money. Okay, I'm going to ride my bike back now. <laughs> like, it's just kind of thrilling to her. <laughs> yeah, riding your bike to another country. It's like standing at the four corners in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's actually sort of one of the bridges you know, in Niagara Falls you could just kind of walk across. And if you ever have to do any kind of, like, visa sort of stuff, you just sort of go down to Niagara Falls and walk across the bridge and go to the American side and go, okay. Uh, can you stamp this piece of paper and say I've I've set foot in America? And they're like, all right, stamp. And then you just walk back across the bridge and go back to Canada. And you're like, well, not me, but I've done this with you know, friends. Like, okay, I'm back in Canadian soil. I want to immigrate again and things like that. And drink maple syrup. Exactly. I love maple syrup. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so 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 the the the, the blood moons and. Um, Anything else? There were there were a couple other things like bad things because because the like, the couple we were looking at where we gave in modern history were actually not really bad things that happened to the Jewish state were actually pretty okay. So was anything actually bad that happened to the Jews? During- well, I in preparation for this, you know, because I, I I treat my interviews seriously and, okay. and do prep work. Um, Note to anyone who might be thinking of having me on something in the future. Uh, <laughs> so, Pastor Mark Biltz uh, was talking about how the well, there was one time when this happened, and it corresponded with like the the sacking of the the big Jewish temple thingamajigger. Um, and I'm sure every single Jew listening to this is wanting to smack me at the moment um, when I say you know temple important. Thingamajigger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I guess in Jewish history, you know, there's the temple. Um, well, there were two the temples, right? Oh, there were? Oh, gee, you know more about this yeah. than I Well, I think there was sort of like the original temple, and that was, like, I think destroyed by the Babylonians. And then I think, I think it was a Herod. I think he let the Jews rebuild their temple 
which then I think was then that was sort of destroyed it during the like the the, the war between the Jews and uh, Rome or something like that. that, that okay. That's just that's just my recollection of that history. But we're, you know we're Catholic, so we are, I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school, so we we had to study your kind and you know know you know <laughs> such a bad Jew. Yeah, know know what to you know the enemy who to, you know had to defeat you or something you know during the apocalypse yeah. or something. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, so so he claims, um, you know, I was just listening to it, and he's like, you know, the, the temple was sacked in like 70 AD, and I'm looking at these lunar eclipse charts from NASA, and, that, and that's another big thing is that Pastor Mark Biltz and others are like, you know, I'm getting this data from NASA, so, you know, trying to... It's an argument from authority, basically, like because NASA has it. Of yeah. course, I'm, getting, I'm getting some of my data from NASA, therefore it's real. It's kind of like Why the example would NASA I use. NASA be is, collecting this data? Yeah, well, yeah, it's the example I use is like Spider Man cites New York City as a place, therefore Spider Man is real. Like, wait, <laughs> well, so, <laughs> I think I got that from the Cecil and Tom at the Cognitive Dissonance, but you know, it's it's really apt. Um, but anyway, so you know, I'm looking at this stuff and. Um, I'm looking at the catalog of eclipses from you know, year one to one hundred in the Common Era, era or Anno Domini. Yeah, forgive my Latin, please. Um, there were no tetrads during that century at all, or during the century before that, um, and during seventy A.D. or seventy C.E., depending on how politically correct you want to be. There actually were no lunar eclipses at all. That were total. There were three partial eclipses, and that's it. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, well, when when you make stuff up, when or when you have to make stuff up to fit a really vague retrodiction, you have a really lousy idea. And yeah, you know, th- this this other thing about how his stuff is coming from NASA and he's using NASA's charts, and he's like. NASA has on their website, they have calculated out when the lunar eclipses have happened for the last 5,000 years. And he goes on about how there, in the last 5,000 years, there have been something like 3,479 total lunar eclipses. And that means that there's an average of one every one and a half years. But now we get four in the space of just one and a half years. And I'm like, did you not read the page the the page that has in big bold big letters statistics for lunar eclipses negative one nine 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 to plus three zero 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 parentheses 2000 bce to 3000 ce that is not the last five thousand years that is the last four thousand plus the next one thousand Oh. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's an incredibly minor point, sure, but yeah. it's kind of like, it, it sort of goes to the level of scholarship and the intended argument from authority and how he's just not using it well at all and how he, he plays fast and loose with the statistics. You know, okay, yes, it's true that in the last 4,000 plus the next 1,000 years that there will be and have been in that period, 3,479 total eclipses, which does work out to one every about 1.43 years. But that also does not factor in 
how these eclipse seasons work, that you tend to get lumps or groupings of partial solar or partial lunar eclipses and then a few total or a few partial then one total and a few partial and then maybe three total like you (laughs) (laughs) you can tell that this kind of bugs me because it's just kind of like making stuff up and and not even making it up very well i mean the whole thing about how he has to, for a significant event during the, not the last, but the before that, Tetrad being the founding of Israel, which was 11 months before this thing started, that should really clue you in that he doesn't have much going for him if he has to reach that far to make a significant correlation. Wow. It seems, too, that there's, um, other than built, this, this um, pastor. Hagee, Hagee, Hagee. Well, some some remember back when uh, John McCain um, got the nomination that Hagee kind of like endorsed McCain, and then I think McCain initially was like, all right, you know, some televangelist is endorsing me. Sure, I'm gonna crow about it. And then it's sort of like people like pointing out to McCain, uh, you know, dude, he's like this weirdo, super anti-Catholic. Like you know, nutbag. Yeah, he's very. He's he's very. He's one of these like uh, pro sort of Israel. You know, because the Israel's got to the Israelis got to be there to you know usher in the second coming. And so um, you know, he he sort of takes that line. But but then he sort of is like very very much like oh you know the um, you know the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon and da da da. And then uh, Bill Bill Donahue the uh, you know, the guy for the other, like, I don't know, the, the Catholic League of America or something like that. He, he, uh, he got into some. It was, like, it was like this two old, doughy white guy religion fight <laughs> or something like that. They're both two two old doughy white guys, and they got into a really nasty exchange of you know, you know, calling for apologies, and eventually, I don't know, eventually Hagee kind of you know apologized. I, I didn't mean the Catholic Church, just you know. The horror of Babylon, you know, around about the Catholic. I don't know. And then Bill Donahue's like, "You're a man of your word. I take your apology, and we're friends now. And let's go on and defeat the, you know, the atheists and the homosexuals." Okay, you know, I don't know. Yes, yeah, so we our uh, our hatred unites us. <laughs> our common enemy, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I always like the the conspiracies, like the the non big tent conspiracies, where like um like the creationists are a big tent kind of conspiracy you know whether you think the earth is you know you know six billion years old but created you know everything there's a special creation and all that sort of stuff or you think the earth is like six days you know or was created in six days uh these people all kind of live together quite happily under this big tent you know uh whereas Mm -hmm. like there's other like conspiracies where they like 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 the hiv uh, conspiracies like you know there's three or four different versions of the HIV conspiracy and proponents of each they don't like the other the others and they they hate them just as much as you know the the doctor prescribing you know the you know retrovirals and stuff like that so big pharma you know yeah so um Hagee you know I've just been looking over some of his stuff uh 
Yeah, it looks like he's anti-Islamic. Uh, he says that, or he's attributed the persecution of Jews throughout history, including the Holocaust, to their disobedience um, to God. Uh, There's, as you said, stuff with John McCain. Um, from what I could tell, um, hey, I mean, everyone who's taken up the Blood Moon stuff is actually a derivative of Mark Biltz. Okay. Um, and Hagee is one of them, um, and John Hagee, in case I, I think I might have said uh, Mark Hagee at some point. Um, so, yeah, uh, Hagee is, he runs his El Shaddai Ministries, which has a, a very lovely Arabic-looking font, which is kind of odd. Um, but I think that they've also been somewhat united through WorldNet Daily. <laughs> Our favorite uh, journal of record. Yeah, the Journal of Record. Wow. Uh, I, I love your line um, about World Net Daily again. Isn't it uh, something like, when you're afraid that the world has too much sanity, go over to World Net, world yeah. Net Daily? Yeah. yeah, when you're feeling like the world is just a little too rational, yeah, pop over to World Net Daily and you'll be reminded of it. Yeah. Because you, 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 you were doing a blog for a while, kind of like, sort of covering the, some of the, the, the lunacy on World Net Daily. Are, are you still... Yeah, I'm doing it on and off. Uh, basically, I sort of, um, I've been marking down stuff to to write about, and um, it caused when I get enough that my browser crawls to a standstill, I'm like, okay, I need to put out a bunch of posts. So I'm in one of those phases at the moment where I have about 50 articles that I want to write about, and I'm sort of writing a bunch and scheduling them to come out to a day. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I think uh, so. Both John Hagee and um, Mark Biltz have been putting out books through WorldNet Daily's printing house. Oh God! So uh, on the Blood Moon stuff. So uh, yeah, like I mean, um, Hagee's book is Four Blood Moons. Something is about to change. Um, meanwhile, Mark Biltz's is uh, just called blood moons, decoding the imminent heavenly signs, uh, with a foreword by Joseph Farah, who is the founder and CEO of World.Daily. <laughs> yeah, we, we thought, we thought uh, what was it, Ariana Huffington, or what's Ariana Huffington? We kind of thought she was the you know, the worst person in, 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 in internet publishing, and who, you know, who knew there was somebody even worse? And, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, um, but what, so what are what are they actually predicting? Like you know, it's, it's cause, doom. Oh, doom. Okay, because it, it seems to me, based on sort of the past, it's just it's just like you know, I I would actually kind of you know invest in Israeli companies because you know, it just sort of seems like only good things actually kind of happen, and maybe they're going to hit you know all that that oil that is some people prophesize is you know in the bible in the holy land or something yeah but but carl you're you're assuming that it makes sense okay (laughs) (laughs) you're you're assuming that there is some sort of rational basis and therefore a rational prediction to come from this and there isn't um but yeah i mean I I haven't listened to Hagee give an interview, but I've li- I've read some of his writings. Um, I've listened to Mark Biltz's. Uh, he, he's given at least two interviews that I've listened to. I've read some of his stuff, 
And both of them are basically saying, doom, you know, something bad is going to happen. You know, maybe everyone's going to attack Israel or the stock market is going to crash or, you know, Russia is going to invade the United States or, you know, something bad is going to happen. But probably with Israel, because, you know, it's the Jews. They're, they're easy targets, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, but the predictions are, are highly nonspecific. I mean, the prediction is about as specific as I just gave it. And in, even when it's going to happen, you know, based on the past, um, I'd give him plus or minus two years from, you know, probably this December for finding something to retrodict to say that he was accurate. Right, yes. Yeah. We've seen this and, before. Yeah. Well, we see it all the time. <laughs> but, I mean, the the good thing for him, you know, looking at this, if I were his agent, the good thing for him is that this goes for another year and a half. Mm, like and a- so he has a lot of time to keep drumming up press and say, something's going to happen. And because he has a whole another year and a half. And he has a target audience of... Jews, and there are a lot of, uh, you know, Jewish people, just like any other religious people, who are really big on prophecy. And not only do you have the Jewish population, but you have the fairly conservative um, Christian population, at least in the United States, who are the defend Israel and the Jews, regardless of anything. And so, you know, they, the overlap between those and those who believe in you know, this type of prophecy stuff is fairly large, I think. And so you have this pretty good audience, or no, I wouldn't say good, but pretty large audience that you can milk for the next 18 months. Right, okay. <laughs> it's better than nothing. Yeah, well, so, you know, I, I would say that while after 2012 was done, I had no idea what the next big thing was going to be. I wouldn't call this as big as the 2012 stuff you know we'll have to see what happens come september ish of 2015 and see if it gets really drummed up but i would say that this is probably one of the largest things i've seen since the 2012 stuff all right huh all right anything anything else to add about the uh the blood moons uh no, just that you know. I if assuming that it's clear here, I'm gonna have my cameras out and be taking lots and lots and lots of photos. <laughs> Good. All right. And uh, I'll I'll send you links so that you can post it for all of your many hundreds of thousands of listeners so that they can view the eclipses. Yeah. <laughs> and um, um, so you, you, so you, I, I guess for our, our few listeners who aren't aware, you 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 do a podcast called. Exposing pseudo astronomy, which I think is more letters than the URL. Okay, and uh, yeah, you sort of you, fairly recent one. My my favorite topic, the, the the pyramids of Mars. I haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet, but uh, I thought that was a good one. I thought I did well on okay. that. Okay, good. good. Now, there are a few that I put out where I'm just like, eh, that one kind of was mediocre. Oh well. But there are some where I'm like, I think I really nailed that one. I thought I I did really well on my Velikovsky one. And I think I did fairly well in the Pyramids of Mars one, and that will get to uh, perhaps the next time I'm on when I'm work when my super secret project comes to fruition. Oh yes, yeah, you, you did. You did email me, and you're like, could I? Would I 
Gav, can I announce a super secret project? Can I come on your podcast? I'm like, Stuart, <laughs> if you just want to come on and talk about, you know, your bowel movements, you're always welcome. There's, you know, there's, there's no, no reason not to have you on. So, yeah. You're, 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 well, and I have to do my yearly duty. Otherwise, I lose my title, right? That, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I want uh Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good. Well, I want to get our my, my, our, our pilot on um, talk about the uh, MH370. Uh, he 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 was on uh, uh, talking about the uh, um, chemtrails. Chem, chemtrails, yeah. So they're gonna have him back on on again. But uh, but then you, you kind of want to because this is something very sort of uh, we gotta get this podcast up in a couple days to be topical. <laughs> Or if not, mm-hmm. we've got to warn people, you are currently living in the era of the blood <laughs> moon yeah, versus like, tomorrow it's the blood moon. So Yeah, if you're listening to this after mid, uh, early morning UTC on April 15th of 2014, you are in the era of the blood moon. The blood moon, yeah. All right. and, uh, so we, we Which sounds have, like a really bad Twilight movie. but We, we, have, we have the amazing meeting Tam coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah are you going? Well, you know, uh, you, you are going, correct? Probably. Okay. I'm looking uh, at at the moment. It's kind of like I'm looking for a reason to say no. Um, (laughs) As in, like I I don't I don't not want to go. It's kind of like I'm going to go by default, but I'm holding out just a little bit longer to see if there's a pressing reason not to go. Uh, Especially because there's actually a work conference that I might be going to that starts the day after TAM and is in a different state. So Mm. working out hotel and plane tickets for those would have to kind of be done at the same time and so I have to I have to decide at the same time which I'm going to or if I'm going to both kind of thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely going to try to go uh I I'm I'm selling my place so it's like um I I I got to sort of wait till my place gets sold before I kind of then commit like thousands of dollars to a trip to Las Vegas kind of thing. So <laughs> So, uh, so yeah. But uh, as as long as I, you know, hopefully my place sells in the next month or so. But um, anybody want to buy a condo? Um, but it's in Canada. I know it's in Canada, but it's 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 on the subway line. <laughs> I I kept telling my real estate agent put in the put in the the listing like you know the only place on the subway line you're gonna get a seat on the subway, and it is. <laughs> it's really frightening these days. It's like I'm right at the beginning of the subway line, and during the rush hour, you, you know you get on the train and there are a couple seats left, and then it goes to the next station where people have all bought very expensive condos and then it's standing room only and it goes to the third station where even more people have bought very expensive condos and they are crammed in <laughs> well there you go yeah so it's like and add another ten thousand dollars to the price of the condo because of that but yeah <sighs> well and i think that one of our mutual acquaintances and one that you've actually met that i haven't is going to be going um uh Nigel, Nigel and yeah. Lady Saint Whitehall. Ah, yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah, Saint White. yeah. Well, I, I'm gonna bring, uh, I'll bring my girlfriend. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have a royal title for her. As the, okay. My, my hot ass girlfriend. I just like to call her that. My hot ass girlfriend. <laughs> gonna bring my hot ass girlfriend. Wow. And uh, yeah, the uh, uh, her and um, uh, Lady Saint Whitehall. They're both kind of in the legal industry as well. And. And they, they, they talk about things like, you know, do you, do you call them bad baby cases there too? Yeah, we call them bad baby cases. And so, yeah, they, 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 they've bonded on these sorts of medical 
tragedy legal type things or something so so yeah so so if if uh, if everything holds uh we're, we're, we're gonna go and then uh i i don't know if they're both super interested in nerding out over like you know it's like ooh, there is the amazing randy ooh, you know, wow pen's giving us bacon <laughs> like, like oh, come on. you have to go to the bacon party yeah 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 but i don't know if they're super interested in that but that you know it's a novella you know touch the touch the hem of his robe touch the hem of his robe you know and they do have a sexual harassment uh, you know, oh, yeah. okay. policy. All right, let's, so not even, you, let's not even joke about that. Yeah, let's not touch clothing. Okay. That could get creepy. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, they, they, they just sort of might, you know, you know, women, they go shopping or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's not sexist at all. No, no. Like, no, they were talking about shopping. We're like, we can just start drinking beer at 11 a.m. Yeah, let's go. So they're, okay, uh, well that sounds more. <laughs> that is their, okay. That sounds a little less misogynistic. Yeah, that is their plan. It's, I, know, I don't know. Ms. Yeah, uh, Lady Whitehall. She's also into arena football. So yeah, <laughs> and then my, my my girlfriend. She is like, she's like season ticket holder for the Raptors, and she's like crazy about basketball and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, they're not. The, uh, they, they, yeah, they, they are definitely not stereotypes, but uh, anyway. So yeah, so I, I, I might be going, but um, you know, as I always ask, you know, uh, you know as I always, now I'm the pug that doesn't want anything. But uh, if uh, if someone does see you at the amazing meeting, Tam, uh, and they go, eh, Stuart, and uh, you know, I guess people would more recognize you now from your your actual podcast versus your. Your, your your meeker contributions to my podcast, but you know whatever. Uh, if my, they in my annual contributions yeah, to your podcast, yeah. if they just want to thank you for your whole body of skeptical work, but what can they what can they buy you? Uh, a chocolate bar. I don't know. It, could it be Hershey's? No. <laughs> the only Hershey bar that's allowed to be given to me will be coming from Nigel because I think that he just <laughs> he I think he's just. <laughs> I think that if we're both there, I expect him to bring something like a 20-pound Hershey bar. Just like, you know, one of those giant, you know, it might not even have actual chocolate in it. It might just be the wrapper. But just like, you know, one of those giant novelty checks, like, <laughs> shoving it in my face. Because I'm all anti-Hershey's chocolate. They, it's not that I'm anti-Hershey's. It's just that it's not good. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, no, man. but I, I think I, I think I told both of you that uh, if assuming I'm there, that I will attempt to bring something chocolatey with raspberry in it. So either raspberry fudge or, or raspberry truffles. And since this is a conversation just between you and me, that uh, you know, no one's going to be coming up to me asking for some. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll probably also bring my nuts. So um, okay. You know, last year my nuts were, they went very well. People liked them. Um, and just to clarify, because of the sexual harassment policy, by nuts I'm talking about candied pecans. Oh, okay. So grab at those, not other. Yes. Yeah. You, you may grab at those nuts that I hold at uh, stomach level, no, at, at chest level and present to you as opposed to anything else. And this is starting to get kind of creepy, so creepy. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. We at the Conspiracy Skeptic Podcast take sexual harassment very seriously. Tam is just literally about eating and sitting 
and listening and once in a while kind of meeting your little skeptical heroes and going, um, so lemonade, do you like lemonade? You know, yeah. Are, are you going to be on any panels this year or? or... No, uh, DJ did not take me up on my offer slash request slash beg. Uh, to, to <laughs> you that. monster. Ah, uh, no, whatever. Um, no, he didn't take me up on my, um, offer slash request slash beg to be on any ty- or be involved in any way in terms of speaking in any sort uh this year uh but i think it was topic uh topic wise because in the previous year uh 2013 was fighting the fakers and so uh brian bonner and my presentation or workshop on uh what did we do uh, on the photography. the photography stuff yeah um uh imaging for skeptics or something from ghost ufos how your camera lies to you that mm-hmm. yeah that sort of falls into the education on how you can fight the fakers that kind of stuff um but none of the ideas that i pitched to him fell anywhere in the uh the brain sort of neurology kind of focus that seems to be this year uh so but the, i mean part of the problem is that the theme isn't announced until after the speakers are kind of decided on and announced. So if you don't know what the theme is, you know, I can pitch to him a lot of different ideas, but if the, they're not any way, shape, or form related to the theme, it's kind of like, well, you're out of luck. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and Neurology is the, or the, the amazing Dr. Novella uh, meeting, I guess, might be <laughs> the, the, the theme, because... The, that that said, uh, Doctor Vella, he's uh, he's he's a neurologist. I imagine he'll be taking up quite a big big part in that. But uh, I, I think there are other people that definitely. Um, I mean, some of the sort of the neurology, you know, how how your brain is kind of fooled by, uh, you mm-hmm. know, fooled by things. And, you know, just that the brain is just really an interesting kludge kind of thing, and and and, and how that you know. Get, it gets fooled and stuff like that. When I went to TAM eight, like there were a couple couple talks in in that area, and those were some of the more interesting talks. But and but, they taste good with ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And uh, all right. So uh, the people can bring you chocolate, but not that Hershey's crap. And uh, which is not it's not bad because the, the 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 White Halls. They they one Christmas they sent me uh, they sent me uh, the big ass bar of Hershey's chocolate that uh wait know. they sent you stuff <laughs> no just one year they sent me that though they, they never sent me <laughs> well yeah because you don't like their chocolate but I am appreciative yeah they can get good chocolate and send it to me yeah no but yeah but it was quite a nice the big ass bar of chocolate you fear uh I I relished and uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite good so uh well it's more I fear it because yeah it would probably melt uh, between the plane and the hotel, and it would also, you know, a 20-pound thing of chocolate bar is rather heavy for carry-on luggage, and yeah, they wouldn't true. be able to bring, you know, lady wouldn't be able to bring, uh, you know, many pairs of shoes, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you got one sexist comment in, I'm allowed to get one sexist comment in, and then revert to the, you know, I'm, I'm not sexist, whatever. We're in trouble. As long as I have, I know that I'm in an okay audience where we can joke like that and make weird jokes that people understand that you're not actually sexist. Anyone listening to this? (laughs) Uh, But as I always say too, if you you are flush with cash, um, Monster Talk, that's always a good podcast to donate to. Uh, They always, they got some ever ever ongoing transcript project where people are 
putting their podcast into trans, you know, written format. And cognitive dissonance—that's always a really good one. Um, they, 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 they tend to like n- not keep the money for themselves, but uh, um, give it to like charities and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it uh, seems like uh, once every three or four months, all of the money for that month goes to some sort of charity. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, there are many good kind of skeptical podcasts out there that you know that that need need your need your money and appreciate your money. And uh, yeah, I mean, I do this once a month, once every couple of months, you know. So it, <laughs> it is not no comments. Yeah, it is not an onerous like, oh my god, I've been giving up promotions at work just to keep doing this podcast. <laughs> But anyway, and, uh, any, any anything else interesting coming up? Um, Skeptic camps or those little um, those little not aquarium uh, planetarium talks you do. Um, I don't have anything really on the schedule at the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, which is kind of surprising because it's April, and so if the Denver Skeptic Camp usually happens sometime in May, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen any emails on that, so hmm. I don't know what's going on. Okay, yeah. I think I'm giving a talk at a Skeptics in the Pub the Friday after Good Friday. Um, it's just got, based on sort of a podcast I did a couple of years ago about, you know, is income tax unconstitutional? Because our, our tax season ends at the end of April, so just wanting, you know, that would be the theme. Like, if you haven't done your taxes by now, do them because... Income tax is actually a constitution in America and Canada, so. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. But uh, other than that, I guess maybe we could we could wrap up. So, All right. So, bottom line, <laughs> don't be afraid of the blood moon. Oh, I was going to ask you, have you seen uh, Cosmos? Have you seen the new Cosmos? No, I've been bad. Oh. I, I still have not seen the new Cosmos. Um, I, I've been storing them for later, later, uh, cannot talk i've been storing them for later consumption but i'm sort of on a what have i been watching lately i finally finished once upon a time in wonderland uh yeah that was eh but i you know i yeah. have to keep up with big bang theory <laughs> and the, the original once upon a time and you know my judge judy's keep coming out so <laughs> well uh, yeah well we've, we've explained this to your listening audience before is that I study craters, and by studying them, I mean I draw circles, so I have to identify them and make a catalog and then do science with them. And it's a very boring, menial task, and so I have on my 30-inch monitor the maps displayed where I'm drawing circles, and on the 21-inch monitor next to it, I have Judge Judy going, because you need sort of this mindless thing uh, that you yeah. don't have to watch. Okay, yeah. And meanwhile, you get decent legal advice. So, you know, now I know that if I ever do contract work, you must get a contract. Nothing verbal. verbal. <laughs> Okay. You know, that kind of stuff, you know, right. and never right. do business with family in terms of, like, buying a car or that kind of thing, because the, the fastest way to lose family or friends is by doing business with them, yeah. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that can actually be a, ba- a good thing also, All is right. that if there's this cousin you hate, buy their car. Yeah, yeah I, I saw... Or sell them a car. Well, because... Cosmos is on at the same time as Walking Dead, so I kind of had to watch Walking Dead, and I thought I'll come back to Cosmos. But so I, I only saw my first episode of Cosmos last Sunday, and it was kind of like maybe it was sort of a mediocre episode, but I was kind of like, eh. But I think the biggest, maybe the biggest complaint is it doesn't have the 
the music that the original Cosmos had, you know, that sort of attention to the music, which is... Mm. See, so so let me share a secret with you and the two or three listeners. I've actually never seen the original Cosmos either. Oh, then what inspired you to be an astronomer? <laughs> like, what, did you just, like, look at a comic book or something? And... No, yeah, all the chicks and yeah, oh, yeah. the easy money. <laughs> the chicks and the easy money. That was what I thought astronomy was all about. Yeah, <sighs> yeah the original Cosmos was, well, I mean, I... I've not watched it since I was like 12 or 13 or something, but it was definitely quite mind-blowing back then. And it's like, wow, it's just like the role-playing game Traveler. Have you heard of that one? No, that's going back. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All oh. these references from like the Dark Ages. I, I, know, I know, Vangelis. Lost on and... me. <laughs> All right, I'll let you go, Stuart. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, hopefully, this gets out before your listeners decide that they need to, uh, you know, eat their dogs so they don't suffer. Yeah, yeah. Pets always, always a source of survival food. All right. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Talk to you later, Stuart. Shabbat shalom. Have a good night. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye bye. Bye.